Welcome in, everybody, to a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Glad to be with you yet again on this Wednesday. I am John Harris, and I am joined by my good friend, the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Mark? Johnny, uh, I know I know you were under the weather yesterday. Yeah. I'm not going to make a big deal of it because James Harden was not making a big deal of it yesterday no, he either. Was not. And I know you won't make a big deal, but I will tell the people, just like Dan Tony told the people that Harden was playing under the weather, you're under the weather today. Yesterday under the weather, but we appreciate it. Playing oh. pain, my friend. Yeah, well, you know that's what the league is about. You mm-hmm. know, next man up. I mean, obviously, you. And, yeah, but uh, you're the next man, and the next man after that. Well, it was you know speaking of the Rockets, it's so it, it's funny when, in some sense, narratives get shot down, and there's been this narrative for so long about Chris Paul, yeah, can't, can't get to the Western Conference Finals. And then in the playoffs, he's never been really great. He was ridiculous last he night. He was unbelievable last yeah. night. It was it was really fun to watch. I mean, he was the human heat check in that th- in that fourth quarter. Now Donovan Mitchell was that in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. But everything Chris Paul was throwing up there was going in. I mean, banking yeah. in three. I mean, it was really it was really cool to watch. And I think this is a series that everybody has waited to see yeah. now with the Warriors and see how far the Rockets have progressed. Obviously, with the additions with Chris Paul. And, this is the true test starting on May 14th. This feels like the 80s NBA again in a way. It does. You know, when you have this kind of matchup, because the Warriors are the Laker equivalent. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I think Dale Robertson said this is the biggest league semifinal series in this city since Ooh. 1979 and the Oilers and the Steelers. And I thought, yeah. you know, that's kind of a, a disrespectful thing to say to the Rockets franchise itself and maybe to the Astros as well. They just played the Yankees in the ALCS and yeah. won that thing in seven. So to me, I don't know if I buy that, but I think it's huge. There's no yeah. question that it's huge. The magnitude is there. I look at the Rockets, though, that series that the Rockets had in the 80s with the Lakers when they broke through and made the finals in 86 with Ralph Sampson. And I mean, come on. That was amazing because think about it. The Rockets are the only team in the 80s to come out of the West and make the finals other than the Lakers. Nobody else did it. No Spurs, nobody. No Sonics, no Warriors, nothing. It was just the Lakers and the Rockets going to the finals, and the Rockets went twice. They lost both times, but I think that – they don't get their historic due for that sometimes. Yeah, the, the 94, the 93, 94, 94, 95, I think because the Sonics got knocked off in 94, mm-hmm. I think some people look at that. But they had to knock off the Suns in that. And I'm trying to think which series that was mm-hmm. when they beat the Suns. Um, and then obviously they had to do it the next year in 95 where they beat the Suns and beat the Jazz and beat the Spurs. Right. I think a lot of people thought that Spurs series was going to be one like that because it was David Robinson against Akeem. Yeah, Robinson the MVP. MVP. Yeah. But Elijah one was so dominant in that series, it never, yeah. it never even came to fruition. But you know, this is look. I, I've I've said this a few times. I I I've wanted. You know, there were years where the AFC South was was down, mm-hmm. and I would watch a Baltimore Pittsburgh game, or I would watch uh, the Cowboys and the Giants play a game. And I would say, man, those rivalries they have, oh, yep. those must be so mu- so much fun to be in. Right. And and now we're going to see the AFC South go to a, to mm-hmm. a different level. So I think we're going to start seeing some rivalries. There's going to be some, you know, I, I don't listen too much to the guys in Jacksonville anymore because, like, those guys, they've got – They've got street cred now, you know. They got some bravado now. I know. Now they're now they're like, well, you know, when we went to the AFC Championship game, I'm sitting there going, well, I've been to AFC, AFC Championship, Championship game. game. I mean, they should have won that gum thing. Oh gosh, when we, when you think about it from that perspective. Well, DP and I were talking about this last night because uh, we mentioned the dark arts and the Texans being third most likely to win the AFC according to some dark yeah. arts people. 
not that we bring that up much on this program, right. but it, it was worth mentioning because I thought it was newsy. Of course And then you think about the Jags making the AFC Championship game. You think about that Jags regular season visit here to NRG Stadium, and how's that going to be? That could yeah. be for the AFC South. So, yeah, a lot of great AFC South contests coming up. And I know we mentioned it a lot, but I think it's worth mentioning because the, the – Tide has certainly changed in this division for sure. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I, I went through it the other day looking at – I love looking at the power rankings. So I love to see where – you know, how the power rankings compare to what Vegas has to say. And, you know, Warren Sharp of Sharp Football, he did a, a strength of schedule for Vegas win totals and found that there are two teams in the NFL that have particularly easy schedules. Mm-hmm. And they are the Patriots mm-hmm. and – The Texans. Yes. Yeah, easy according to what happened last year. Right, of course. Because the Giants, to me, could have a bounce-back year. The AFC South is not easy, so I don't know what anybody's talking about there. Yeah. I think sometimes, and I know they're they're using record to determine this, but I think sometimes we see names, brand names, and we get swayed by that as well because there's certainly a sort of impression you get from seeing a schedule. Yeah, you're not playing the Steelers, all right? You're not right. playing the Raiders, but playing you're playing the – I think the Broncos – not that they're going to have a huge bounce back, but they could bounce back to 8-8 eight and eight in that division. Sure. You know, I don't know how the Chiefs are going to be. You know, you're not playing the Chiefs, who are a good team, but they've lost some pieces. Yeah, defensively, you know, yeah. They're, they're not exactly rebuilding, but they're in a little bit of a reload here. When you change quarterbacks, anything can happen. I think Mahomes is going to be pretty good. But yeah. they had a formula with Alex Smith, and it was serving them well, regular season-wise anyway. Yeah, the one thing that stood out to me when I looked at the power rankings, the Texans were rated 12th. That was the 5th. Fifth best AFC team. Elliot Harrison for NFL.com does them, and he always adds some some humor to some of the things that he does. And his write up on the Texans. There was one moment in particular where he talked about the Texans not having a first or a second, and he said they were happy that they didn't have a first because that gave you to Sean Watson. He said they might have right. been even happier because of the second round pick not being there. <laughs> why they had to give up that second? But either way, I thought it was interesting. But they were they were the fifth team, the Patriots. We're in the top three. I think Patriots were two. Then you had the Jags at four. Mm-hmm. So you played, obviously, those those teams three times. And then you had the Chargers in front of them, and you had the Steelers in front of them. And then you had the Texans at 12, and then you had the Titans at 13. What I thought was fascinating was numbers 28, 29, I'm sorry, 29, 30, 31, 32. Jets, Browns, Dolphins, Colts. The Colts were assessed as the worst, worst team in the league. In the power 32. rankings. Yes. Jets, I don't know. Jets, Browns, Dolphins, Colts. Those, mm. They have them ranked as the – and I could I could see the Dolphins, absolutely. I could see the Colts, absolutely. I don't think the Browns will be down there, and I don't think the Jets. I think the Jets will be a little bit better, but you're still talking about five games, three – yeah, three plus two. They get five games against four of the – considered four of the worst teams in the league. So when when I heard that article yesterday about Warren Sharp saying the Texans are going to be favored in most of, the, most of their games – I thought, well, yeah, it, it makes some sense. I thought it was funny that one of the games that they weren't favored in was one against the Jets. I didn't see that. You one. know, it's whenever you bring it up that way, games you'll be favored, more, you know, more likely to win, more likely to lose. I get it, but we've seen this league too many exactly. times right unfold in ways you don't think. The Dolphins, to me, bounce back year could be the Dolphins. Now they have changed a little bit. They made the playoffs, you know, two years ago. Yeah. All right, so they're a year removed from a playoff season. Right, but I get it. 
you know, that was a, a strange kind of year for them, and, and they broke through. They've made some changes defensively, wow. offensively as well. Tannehill's their quarterback. We'll see how it plays out. The Jets, all right, what was it, 2015 when they had the Fitzpatrick 10-win season? Yep. And then a couple of out. Yeah, yep. and then a couple of bad seasons for them. But they're always competitive, and to me the Colts are – I can't believe they're the worst team in the league. You rate them behind the Browns at this point? Andrew Luck alone. If you're going to say the Texans are going to be healthy, then how can you say Well, I guess you can say it because Andrew Luck missed the whole season and until he starts throwing a football. I mean, we haven't heard a ton about what Watson's doing so far, but Watson is on schedule according to to the coaches, and you just feel like whatever's coming out of Indianapolis – lacks credibility because this is what they were saying exactly this time last year or you know pretty much the same thing about Andrew like he'll be ready yeah. to go for training camp and he wasn't yeah and I think with the injury that he suffered I don't know that they can know and the I think the other part of it is we it, it, that injury that he had we I mean it could be more severe than they ever let on or maybe right. that they ever knew mm-hmm. but when you look at the Colts roster and I and I look at it plenty of Okay, take take luck out of the equation. T.Y. Hilton, okay, Malik Hooker, okay, and then unfortunately they're starting to put an offensive line in front of, of in front of Luck with Ryan Kelly at center, Quentin Nelson at guard they just drafted, and then mm-hmm. and then Anthony Costanzo. You start to see the pieces come together, but beyond that, you're going all right. Well, all things considered, which other guys on this roster scare you? It's going to take a minute. It's going to take a minute to really get it going. But when they do, when they do, it's going to be scary. I think a lot of these yeah. rookies are going to have to play right away. Which I, which makes sense that they would be a bottom a bottom feeder team. I think for us on the flip side of that is the depth the depth for us becomes I think the bigger the bigger issue. Mm-hmm. If our depth is where it needs to be and our key guys and and I said this to, to Drew the other day. In fact, I may have I think Jesse was in our office and I showed him we've got a we got a, a schedule poster and it's got Whitney mm-hmm. and JJ and Clowney and Will Fuller and Hopkins and Watson. So right. six guys, and it's on the schedule. And I was looking at it, I was kind of staring at it a little bit, and I said, Jess, I said, hey, look at this. And I said, if these six guys play 14 games plus, just yep. threw that number out there. They play 14 games plus, what what will we be? What will our record be? And he immediately went, 11-5, and five, easy. I thought, yeah, my first gut reaction was 10-6. and six. Minimum ten and six. Yeah. If all those guys stay healthy, if those guys are all healthy, for Watt, Hopkins, games. Merciless, Fuller, and who else? All right, the quarterback. Watson. Oh yeah. yeah, that guy. That guy. I thought I just mentioned him. No, yeah. I didn't. And we started kind of playing around with. Okay, well, what if you? What would you trade this? Well, okay, what if this guy misses the season, but these guys are okay? And we kind of went back and forth with that. But if those guys end up staying healthy for fourteen plus games, you got. I mean, in the point being that your top level talent. Is 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 exceptional. It's. I mean, you can compare it to other teams in the league. When you do the top 100 list, you're going to have at least four guys. You put Tyron Matthew in there. That's five. And if you get one of these free agents to to bust through, like AJ Boyer did for Jacksonville or Calais Campbell did for Jacksonville, you're talking about an insane, exceptional top part of the roster. Now that depth needs to get and continue to be better, mm-hmm. and the offensive line's got to show that all these additions can work together and protect Deshaun Watson. And if they do. Then yeah, obviously something special can be done. But I think beyond the exceptional talent, which guys need to step up and end up being, you know, wh- who's going to be this year's Brandon Dunn? Hopefully, Brandon Dunn becomes Brandon Dunn again <laughs> because because DJ Dunning was fantastic last year. Yeah, but 
you need to have you know, other guys. There's no guarantee he's going to be DJ Dunny again right. out on the field. But I mean, he was so he was so good last year, and you yeah. hope that you can capitalize that. Which rookie steps up? And obviously, the rookies are going to be in the building um, tomorrow, starting tomorrow, and they'll start getting their their physicals taken care of, and we'll find out who the official undrafted free agents are. But to me, that's what it is for for this team is just where's you've got the top level talent. But can you surround that with some depth, some young depth, and can guys then go out and make plays? And obviously, those six guys, to me, end up being, if they stay healthy, what can you end up doing? Yeah, I think if they stay healthy, you're in really great shape. I mean, yeah. this, this just in, because you could survive some injuries at some positions unrelated to them yeah. and get through it. But I think the offensive line, Johnny, we could talk about this. We could do five shows a week on the offensive line. Yeah. And until we see it happen, right. I think Mike Devlin will tell you, until they see these guys in pads, yeah. until they see these guys maybe in regular season games, they're not really going to know. There's so much pressure here on Julio and Davenport. Chantrell Henderson, by the way, if you've heard stories about him being big, I just saw him in the hallway a couple of hours ago. And I can verify this. And, you know, we had him he's here in the ma- studio. But just to see him again, it's, it's unreal I just thought he is. the guy is so large. Like, you're thinking, you know, a pass rusher, no matter how fast, it's going to take a while just to get around him. Yeah. You know, never mind if he doesn't even block him. Just to get around. It's like running around a building. they got to run around the block to get to the quarterback. Watson can get the ball off in that amount of time. We'll see how he does. Look, he did pretty well in Buffalo when he was starting. Right. The hope is that he just stays healthy, stays out there, and can do his job. But, again, a lot of pressure on him to stay healthy and stay present yep. at right tackle. Julian Davenport has to step it up at left tackle. I think in the interior, they got enough options there to make it all work out. But it's really going to be a work in progress. There's no way you can you know, automatically say that's all going to work out. No way. So they're going to be the first ones to tell you it's all got to gel, and there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of scrutiny facing that group. If Indianapolis is the 32nd team in the NFL, how happy will you be? I will be so happy, Johnny, to have the Colts be the 32nd best. See, it was fun that having Col- Jacksonville and Tennessee. hatred runs deep. It, it's so deep. Well, look, as bad as the Colts were last year, they still beat the Texans twice. I mean, how horrible. Don't See, he did this on purpose to get me started. I didn't mean to. He did this on purpose. I keep forgetting about those two games we lost to them. Because to me, they don't even count. No, well, the first one counted. Because yeah, I think if I the did. Texans win that one, Watson gets hurt. Somehow they beat the Colts that day, even though it's a stinky Colts team. You beat the Colts that day. Then all of a sudden you feel like, you know what, maybe they can ugly out some wins yeah. here and stay in the race. and whatever. No, but that one kind of – it didn't seal the deal. You still had a lot of season left, but it, it showed you, guess what, it's worse than you thought. It's going to yep. be a real uphill battle. And it's over. That's the good thing. That's over. I know. It's you over. See, it's you, you took me down this road. It's all behind us. Every time I try to get out, they pull me back in again. Mark, appreciate it. Thank Thanks, you. Johnny. Just like people can push my buttons, I can push his buttons. I know exactly which ones. He doesn't have many of them, but I know the ones he has are very big. One that's spelled C-O-L-T-S. We get back. D-R-E-W. Drew Doherty will join me. And we're, well, it's our Wednesday night draft. We are drafting. A defense. I'll explain next right here in Texans All Access. It is time for our Wednesday night draft. That's right. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst at Salary Porter. And Drew Doherty is about to join me. Our draft tonight, well, I'll let Drew take it from here. Draft an NFL team all time with players from only Texas colleges. So they have to have played at a college in Texas. Okay. They don't necessarily have to have been from Texas. Right. 
but they can't be Texas guys who played college at or played college ball like Notre Dame or Harvard or UCLA. It's got to be Texas college guys. Okay. We'll start with the defense. Since I usually jump the gun and take mm-hmm. the first selection, you, my friend, get to select first today. Okay, a couple of things here first. And we're not going to snake because it's just you and me. So okay. It's ping pong. No, that's fine. Are are we picking by position? Are we picking 11 positions? Defense, yes. Yeah. So you can run a 3-4 okay. if you want. I'm running, okay. If you want to run a nickel, you can do that. Okay. If you want to run right. a 4-3. So you're giving me the very first pick. Yes. All right. Well, I think – the greatest defensive lineman of all time came from the state of Texas. Yes. I think he played at North Texas. I think North Texas changed its mascot once this gentleman was done playing there. He's one of the greatest ever play. He created the slant nose in Pittsburgh. I will take as the first pick, Mean Joe Green. I like that. That's a good choice. Uh, it was North Texas State University back then. It's known by UNT now. I like it. I like that. It's a good pick. I uh, I had him very high on my draft board. I, however, did not have him at the top of my draft board. Okay. I had another defensive lineman from the North Texas area on my draft board. I know who it's. I had these guys one, two. And I had him. You could maybe say this is the greatest Dallas Cowboy mm-hmm. of all time. That's why I didn't pick him. And I'm going to have defensive lineman Bob Lilly from TCU as my first pick. I got to interview Bob Lilly at his house in Sun City back in 2004. 2004 ish. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he still lives there now, but uh, great guy. Had a lot of fun uh, profiling him on Texas Legend Sports. And uh, that's who my first pick is. Okay. Okay. So those are one, two on my board. Yep. And those are the first two players that I thought of when I came up with, when we came up with this idea. Uh huh. So that leads me to this. I think the best pass rusher that does not wear a Texans uniform currently in the NFL played at Texas AM. I'd like to create some heat off the edge. I'm going to take outside linebacker Von Miller. I'm going to get some help. I want somebody in the middle. Yep. I need a good linebacker. I knew this was coming because I had I had it was down to these two who I would take. I'm going with Samurai Mike from Baylor. Mike Singletary. Yeah, that's a good my one. second pick. Okay. That's a good one. I got Mike Singletary also from Worthing. Okay, so you take inside linebacker Mike Singletary. All right. Now, what I like about all these guys thus far that we've taken, they are all from Texas. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thus far. I don't know if it'll continue that way. But I think I know where you're going. No, actually, I, I don't know that you do. I think I do. I think I don't know that you do. Uh, go ahead. But I got Joe Green already. Yep. So I'm going to go to the secondary. Oh, I didn't know where you are going. Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay. And it's a guy that's often come up on your side. Uh-huh. A lot of times you have picked this particular individual. Yep. Now, he didn't play at a big school, but he played at Prairie View A&M. One of the greatest to ever be at HPCU. One of the greatest to ever play in the NFL. I'm taking Kenny Houston. Great choice. Uh, he's a Texans ambassador as well. Mm-hmm. Pro Football Hall of Famer. So far, five, four of the five that have been chosen are Pro Football Hall of Famers. Von Miller, going to be there someday. On his way, yes. Yeah, he, he's on his way. See, I thought you were going to choose the guy that I'm choosing now mm-hmm. because you said uh, not necessarily from the state of Texas. Well, Michael Strahan, I believe, was born in Germany. Uh, you're right. Or grew up in Germany. One you or two. are correct. Played just down the road here at TSU. So I'm going to go with defensive lineman Michael Strahan, defensive end Michael Strahan. I'm going to put him there up on my line. From Texas and, Southern. Uh, Texas well Southern, done. TSU. So there we go. That is, that's very, very well done. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right. So off the board, thus far for me. Me, Joe Green, Von, Von Miller, Miller, and Ken Houston. Houston. For you, Bob Lilly, Michael Strahan. And Mike 
Singletary. So, all right. So I'm just looking at my board here. Yes. Now, one thing that you did when we did our draft of of Texans uh, in history, you went after corners. Yeah. Now, when I started looking at the pass rushers, I mean, we got I think Von Miller, Michael Strahan, off the board. Nice job. Mm-hmm. I appreciate what you did there. I feel like the state of Texas has produced some unbelievable corners. Yeah. And so I'm going back to Texas A&M for one. They outlawed Stickham because of this guy. Yeah. He was fantastic. His nickname was the Molester, but only because that rhymed <laughs> with his first name. <laughs> That's the old that I won't use his nickname. Oh. But Lester Hayes is one of the best okay. that ever played. Good one. In his 1981 season, I believe it was 13 interceptions. And he created a tandem with Michael Haynes when Haynes got there from New England in 1983. And they were phenomenal. So I'm going Lester Hayes, Texas A&M, as one of my shutdown corners. That's a nice one. Um, I wanted – I think I I don't want to be bereft of corners. I don't want to be without corners. Mm -hmm. And I still got some defensive linemen that I want to take. But I want to block you from taking this corner that I have really high on my list. And it's – a guy from Texas A&I, mm-hmm. one of the fastest players yeah. in NFL history. He played for what? I think he played 67 years in the NFL? Uh, no, 63. 63 years. Yeah, you're off. Daryl Green. I'm going with Daryl Green. Okay. Yeah, that was pretty good. Thank you. Glad you brought up Texas A&I. <clears throat> I didn't want to tip my hand here because, because I, going. I feel I feel very good about what I can do at defensive tackle with what I'm about to do. Okay. He's not very well known. In fact, as I was as I was doing this project, I, I used a website called drafthistory.com. Well, You'd have to look long and hard to try and find this particular individual who was too short. He was too small. He came from a very small town in Texas, and he ended up at Texas A&I because he didn't want to go too far away. He went up to Minnesota. He creates the best inside combo of three technique with this guy and Mean Joe Green who could play with that slant nose. So I'm taking defensive lineman, defense tackle in particular. I'm taking John Randall. And you just secured the greatest personality on this entire draft board yeah, well, as well. Yeah, there's that. That's good. Okay, well, I'm going to go back to the well. I said I wanted to keep addressing my defensive line. I'm going to mm-hmm. stay in the, the, the kind of interior part of it, although I think he could probably play on the end a little bit. And I'm going to go with Mongo Ooh, from the University of Texas. Pick. Made his That's bones with the Bears. I'm going to go with Steve McMichael. Part of the uh, hmm. Monsters of the Midway, the 85 Bears. He's a good one, and that's who I want. That's there. an excellent one, as a matter of fact. Thank you. Thank you very it's much. It's really good. Now, I'm going to go back to that whole corner well just because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm going to be able to create with what I'm about to do. I'm going to create some shutdown corners. Okay. Now, he only played at A&M for a short amount of time because he played at Bling College okay. to begin his career. He's one of Mark Vandermeer's favorites. Yep. He was an original Texan. Yep. In fact, I think he might have been the Texans' first Pro Bowler, I believe. Sounds about – yeah, he and Gary Walker maybe. Aaron Glenn. Good job. Now, I've gone to the A&M well a lot. But when you think about defense in the state of Texas, The record crew, man. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really where, where you it, – it, it's a shame if you're listening as a Longhorns fan because, yeah, there are, there are a few Longhorns, but for the most part – there are some studs at A&M throughout the years. <laughs> With, without a doubt, there have been some studs. Okay. Uh, I want to stay stay strong there at linebacker. And I'm going to go 
with a guy who is a borderline NFL Hall of Famer, a pro football Hall of Famer. Okay. Surefire college football Hall of Famer. And until Earl Campbell came along, he was the greatest Longhorn, one of the greatest Longhorns of all time. Tommy Nobis. I'm going to put him mm-hmm. in the middle there at linebacker, pair him up with Singletary. That's who I'm going with. All right. I have Nobis on my board as well. I have a different Longhorn. In fact, I might wait to take him now because I don't imagine you're going to go with another linebacker. I don't think, but I'm not sure. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and take him off the board just because I'm going to feel good about this guy. He just became one of the newest Oakland Raiders, but he played a long career in Kansas City. I'm going to take DJ Derek Johnson inside. Love that guy. Uh, I love Travis Johnson, but I think uh, the Texans in 05 would have been well served to have taken Derek Johnson. That's a good choice. All that guy did was force fumbles Mm -hmm. his last year at Texas. He was a hell of a player there, and he's stuck around the NFL for a long time. Nice choice. Okay, like you mentioned, I've got a pretty overwhelming defensive line. I'm going to do something for the greater good of my team, and I'm still going to make my defense, I think, a lot better, but I'm going to go to Yale. What? You can't go to Yale? Well, you can go to Yale if it's Yale Larry. Oh. Texas A&M, Aggie, and Pro Football Hall of Famer, great defensive back, great punter if we need to yeah, well, that's not, pull that's off the a, punt. That's a good it- Damn good return, man. He made. I think he made Pro Bowl at all three. So I'm going to add him. I'm going to put him at defensive back, maybe safety-ish, that's, corner. That's pretty good. He's kind of got a little bit of honey badger in him. So I'm going to go with Yale Larry. Probably not as well-known to most football fans out there listening, but trust me, look him up. Y-A-L-E, and then last name Larry with only a one R. You went deep in the recesses of I that one. I had to. No, no, no. I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't disagree with you there. Now, my secondary... Lester Hayes, Aaron Glenn, Kenny Houston. I feel good about what I've got in the secondary. Mm-hmm. I feel good with Vaughn Miller on the outside. I feel like I could use. I feel like I could use a do-it-all linebacker. Yeah, guy that could do just anything. I got one. He's highest on my board right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got one. I play Texas A&M. Oh, may, may not be the one you're thinking. No, it's of. not. No. No. But I feel like I don't know. Maybe maybe. Maybe injuries shortchanged his career a little bit. I felt like he was on the field. He was fantastic. He's the first Vietnamese-born player oh, to be drafted in the, NFL, in the NFL. And when he comes to Texans practice, I love seeing him. I can play him inside. I can play him a little bit outside. I'm going to draft that win from you from Texas A&M. Good choice. I like it. I like it. So I thought you were initially talking about another somewhat undersized linebacker who also played in the mid-1990s. But I thought you were talking about Zach Thomas Ooh, from Texas Tech wound up with the Dolphins. That's a great one. I'm going to roll with a 4-3, and I'm mm-hmm. going to put Zach Thomas in there with Singletary and with uh, Tommy Nobis and let them sort it out. I think that's a pretty good linebacking core there. Yeah, you got it. That, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. That, that's a very good one. That, Zach Thomas' pull was was, big, was exceptional. I mean, he, man, he was – Sideline to sideline. God, he was unbelievable to watch. Just Pick a guy at his size. He's won the game back then. A guy at his size being able to do what he was able to do. And ironically, he comes from Texas Tech where there there haven't been – I mean, we haven't seen too many great defensive players come out of Texas Tech over the last how many ever years. Mm-hmm. But him coming out of there, he was – he Something was, else. He was something else. All right, so looking at mine, I'm – I'm pretty good up front, but you know what? There's a guy, and I thought you would have taken him. I, re- I really, I really thought this was a fait accompli. Really? No, you know what? I need another safety. 
Okay. I think one of the best, and I think he's on his way to the Hall of Fame. Right now plays in Seattle. Picked off Deshaun last year. Had a pick six. He's been one of the great players in the NFL. I'm going to take it safety. Put next to Kenny Houston. I will take Earl Thomas. That's a good choice. West Orange Stark. That's a really good choice. I like it. Mm. That's tough. All right. Right now, highest on my board, I have a nose tackle that I'm, I'm just not going to take him because I don't need a nose tackle, really. I'm running a 4-3. I mean, he could play inside, could play defense tackle. I just I don't I don't want to do that. I'm conflicted. I think I'm what I'm going to do. I guess I'll stay with ah, – no. man, I'm, this is tough, John. I know. All right. Now we're getting down to a, the nitty-gritty. All right, I'm going to finish off my line, and I'm going to put a defensive end, big defensive end. I guess I'll go with Tony Brackens. Okay. Good, solid. Jaguar. Jaguar, yeah. University of Texas Longhorn. Yeah. He hit, and I'm trying to remember who it was that night. It may have been Klingler. I think it was Klingler. When he was at Texas, quarterback, maybe it wasn't Klingler. I can't remember. No, he hit a punter, didn't he? Didn't he hit? Was it a punter? Or was it? No, he, it was Kingsbury. It was he Kingsbury. Destro- yeah, I think it was. I think it was. Yeah. He destroyed now that we're talking about it, now i got to go look it up. But, I mean, he absolutely destroyed somebody right on the sideline, right in front of a TV camera, and I think it may have been an ESPN game. And, I mean, it was an unbelievable hit. I'm kind of all over the board with yeah, what I got. I, I bet this was a dream of people at Texas A&M. What if Von Miller lined up opposite Miles Garrett? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I think about I'm going to do it. Wow. I'm going to take Miles Garrett, put him at defensive end. Or outside linebacker, depending on yeah. what we're going to do. And hope he's healthy, because if I'm bringing Miles Garrett and Von Miller, I get Randall and Green on the inside. So I'm getting I'm getting interior pressure, which I like. Sure. And so that leaves me really with just I can take best available player at that yeah. point. See, I've got to go defensive backs now. And I'm deciding between. There's some ways you can go with defensive backs. Yeah. I'm deciding between. You know what? Raymond Claiborne from Texas was a damn good cornerback. He was very good. With the Patriots back in the day, and he oh, yeah, kind of gets was. forgotten because of when he played. But I'm going to go with Raymond Claiborne and get that. Yeah. That's why I think he's the best corner left on my board. Yeah, I mean, I, that, do that's that. a, I, Raymond Claiborne was an excellent, yeah. excellent football player. I mean, I think that's a that's a, that's a really good pick. Yeah. I got I to give it to you at that point. Thanks, bro. Um, I feel like I need to take best available player at this point that can do pretty much anything – on the field that I want him to do. Mm-hmm. Now, I have gone to Texas and Texas A&M, well, a lot. Yeah. I did go to Prairie View, too. But I feel like I need to go there again, especially up front, because there are some dudes up front in this state with beyond a shadow of a doubt. I mean, there were some big-time players. If we got to stop the run and we got to do it and we got to do it well, one of the best to ever do it was a true nose tackle. Yep. The University of Texas, Casey Hampton. 13th on my board. It's the highest spot I have right now. All right, I need a defensive back because right now I have two corners in Raymond Claiborne and Daryl Green, and I have Yale Larry. I mean, he could kind of play safety corner. I guess I need to get a true safety. So should I go with SMU's Wes Hopkins, who played pretty well for the Eagles? Should I go way back in time, take Bob Bradley, safety from Texas, who wound up being an all-pro for early part of the 70s. That's a good one. Should I go with Michael Griffin, another safety from Texas? Just retired with the Titans. He was pretty good, played longer than Bradley, but I don't know that he reached Bob Bradley's heights as a safety in the NFL. So I'm going to go back. I'm going to go with Bob Bradley here. 
And, of course, we left a number of players on the board. You can listen to the In the Lab podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, however you get your podcasts, and you can hear some of the players we didn't draft, and we'll also preview the offensive players for next week's draft as well. We get back, we'll go around the NFL. There are plenty of things happening. I got some questions on Twitter, some thoughts about some of the different things that have happened the last couple of days. We'll do that next right here on Texans All Access. One final segment of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. I have been a little bit under the weather, so I don't have my normal snap in energy tonight. But hopefully we were able to give you some good stuff. We did our Wednesday night draft. We drafted a full defense, Drew Doherty and I did, from consisting of players from Texas universities. Now, they don't have to be from Texas, but they had to play at a Texas university. feel really good about what we were able to come up with. I have a defense that features a front of Mean Joe Green, John Randall, Casey Hampton, Vaughn Miller, Miles Garrett. Linebackers, that win, Derek Johnson. A secondary that features Lester Hayes, Aaron Glenn, Kenny Houston, Pretty good stuff that we uh, we had we had a good time and Earl Thomas, so I was able to capitalize on some of the the legendary players and obviously guys that are creating their own legends. So we'll do the offense next week. The running back position is going to be a monster. I mean, you can't miss. You start thinking about the running backs that have played at Texas universities in the state: Eric Dickerson, SMU, uh, Priest Holmes at Texas, Ricky Williams at Texas, Ladanian Tomlinson at TCU. Uh, oh, some guy named Earl Campbell at the University of Texas. There have been some greats along the way uh, in this state. And, you know, Doak Walker at SMU, a lot, of, a lot of running backs you can go to. I mean, just uh, we're going to walk out. What, somebody's going to walk out of there with Eric Dickerson and Ladanian Tomlinson. Now, I'm not sure how we're going to piece together what positions because I don't know if you have to have two running backs. My guess is we'll have – a quarterback, a running back, two wide receivers, a tight end, and a flex. And that flex, you can go ahead and put another running back. So there's a possibility that you could have Eric Dickerson and LaDainian Tomlinson, or you could have Earl Campbell and LaDainian Tomlinson, or Earl Campbell and Eric Dickerson, depending on how you want to piece your offense together. So that's going to be that's going to be some fun uh, next week to talk about our offense. But if you want to hear the entire podcast, go to In the Lab on iTunes, on Stitcher, I'm trying to think what else has a podcast, but you can go check that out right there and hear the whole thing. We talk about some of the players that we didn't draft that I know I had on my list. Brian Arakbo, University of Texas. Sean Rogers was somebody in the University of Texas that, that Drew brought up. Um, I brought up Van McElroy, defensive back, safety, played with the Oakland Raiders for a good while, and also a very well-respected NFL agent, Van McElroy. All right, let's get to some news from around the NFL I don't know if Mark had a chance to hit this yesterday, but speaking of Mark, Mark Ingram in a little bit of trouble with the NFL. He is to be suspended for the first four games of the 2018 season for violation of a performance-enhancing drug, a banned substance. Now, Ingram put out, or actually his agents put this out, saying that he claims a suspension for violating the league's PD policy stemmed from a legitimate medication. And he will also claim that the test showing he took the medication was invalid. Said his agents, Mark Ingram tested positive for a substance that was not a performance-enhancing substance nor an illegal substance, but a substance, in fact, permissible with the proper use exemption with the NFL. He has vigorously challenged the test results 
through the arbitration process. So that, when I first read that, the first thing I thought of, and, and, and look, as, as somebody that has, um, has had family members over the years that have taken various substances, and I've seen a number of substances that players have taken over the years, Adderall, Vivans, uh, SSRIs, those are things that can be taken with a prescription and with, um, yeah, with a prescription um, and that are prescribed. But I think as it pertains to the NFL, you have to get that approved, I believe, with the NFL. So I don't know if that's what it is. Maybe it's some other, maybe it's some other banned substance. I don't know. But my guess is that the appeals process, and I'm assuming that he's gone through the appeals process, but we'll find out what more. Uh, what more will come from this? The arbitrator who denied Ingram's appeal is expected to produce a full written ruling within a week. So within the next seven days, we'll find out. But this, it's unfortunate because I felt like last year, one of the one of the best stories in the NFL, and we could say this because we were in the AFC, but was watching what was going on with Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, the one-two punch in New Orleans for all those years with Drew Brees in the passing game, and all of a sudden they've got a running game now, and Kamara's great out of the backfield, and, man, they, look how they, they fit together. You've got the buttoned-up Mark Ingram. You've got Alvin Kamara, who's, who thinks a little differently. He's an independent thinker, if you will, um, which I, I sort of like. Those two were hitting it off, and they were a major story almost every single week in the NFL. So looks like the Saints are going to be without Mark Ingram for the first four weeks. Think about that. Ingram obviously is not getting any younger, and you got a guy in Camara that I would imagine wants to be and would love to be the number one guy and the guy, the unquestioned guy there in New Orleans. So we'll see what he's able to do in the first uh, four weeks um, of the season. Earlier in the show, Mark and I talked about what's going on with the Indianapolis Colts. And I, there's an interesting article, I think it was Greg Rosenthal, has put together what he anticipates the starting lineups are going to be for each team in the NFL, but he had, it was the NFC, I'm sorry, the AFC South. So it starts with the Texans and you start looking at that roster and you're like, oh man, okay, this roster looks pretty good. All things considered, all these guys healthy, looks pretty good. And then of course he, he questions the, the offensive line, as everybody will. And then he goes through each team and he points out some, some holes or some areas. Of course, he talks about the Jacksonville Jaguar roster as it's the greatest thing since the 85 Bears. And then he gets the Indianapolis Colts and he talks about how the offensive line being put together for the Indianapolis Colts is looking better and better by the day. Anthony Costanzo has been the entrenched starter at left tackle. They added Quentin Nelson, number six pick in the draft. Ryan Kelly could easily be the best center in the NFL if he ends up staying healthy. Uh, from Alabama, they drafted Braden Smith. He'll probably play right guard. So they'll have some ups and downs with two rookie guards in there. But then the right tackle, I want to say he had Joe Haig. It may not matter because the Colts added right tackle Austin Howard. Howard is a guy that was with the – he's been with the Ravens. He's been with the Raiders. Last year, I believe, he was with Baltimore. Now, he had apparently worked out for the Texans last year. They didn't come to a contract agreement, apparently, and so Austin Howard never became a Texan. He now becomes an Indianapolis Colt. He started all 16 games to right tackle last season for Baltimore. He's played with the Jets. Oh, that was the other one. The Jets he had played for. Uh, so Austin Howard is added to the mix to help protect Andrew Luck, and he will definitely take over, I would imagine, at right tackle. Uh, they also added Matt Slauson uh, through the free agent process, so the Colts adding more 
to their offensive line. Jack Muhort, we don't know what exactly is going to happen with him and his health, but Colts doing what they should have done a long time ago, and that is add pieces to help Andrew Luck give them that opportunity to throw the football. I just don't know who he's going to throw to at this point. T.Y. Hilton, Ryan Grant. And I was a big fan of Ryan Grant coming out of Tulane. Just hasn't all come together yet. And maybe it does in Indianapolis. We'll see. But they had Eric Ebron. They got Jack Doyle. I, look, I, I, I didn't mean to poo-poo this earlier, talking about the Colts being the 32nd team in the league. They're going to be – they're not going to be there very long. They're building this the way it should be built, by the inside out. And they're adding pieces to that roster that are going to, going to make that roster very difficult to beat, as long as Andrew Luck can obviously stay healthy. But that was one of the reasons that Ballard took the job in particular is that he had his quarterback already in hand. So Austin Howard will become an Indianapolis Colt. I would imagine he steps right in at right tackle, the 31-year-old vet who played all year with the Ravens in 2017. C.J. Anderson from the Denver Broncos, or I should say formerly of the Denver Broncos, is added to the Carolina Panthers. I think it's a good move for Carolina. Jonathan Stewart... They let go. He was in his 30s. Jonathan Stewart moved on to the New York Giants, leaving Christian McCaffrey and sort of a big hole in the Panthers running game. Well, they add today C.J. Anderson, who leaves Denver and moves on to the Carolina Panthers. Well, I should say Denver quit him, and then he picked up with the Carolina Panthers. Anderson was on NFL Network, and he said, I just think it fits my game personally well. They love to run the ball. That's something they do more of. They have a history of running the ball and using backs in certain ways. I think with the power in my game, a little bit of quickness to break tackles and the leadership I can bring, the football IQ on top that I can bring to Carolina hopefully puts them over the hump. Yeah, Carolina's going to be, I think, pretty salty now. They're going to be without Thomas Davis for the first four games, Pro Bowl linebacker, but now they've added C.J. Anderson for that particular roster. So plenty, uh, plenty going on in the NFL that we're obviously – Keep an eye on. If you got questions, I will answer questions. All all manner of speaking, anytime, any day. You can hit me up on Twitter at Jay Harris Football. Under the weather or not under the weather, uh, I will do that tomorrow. It's going to be John McClain, the venerable John McClain at McClain on NFL on Twitter. He will be in here with Mark for Thursday's show, and we'll talk about the rookie mini camp. Looking forward to seeing the rookies get in the building on Thursday. We'll finally get the full roster of both tryout players, undrafted free agents, and drafted rookies. Now, we know who they drafted, and we've seen reports of undrafted guys that they have signed, and those guys have obviously put things on Twitter. But like I said last year, there were two guys I was looking forward to seeing, and neither one of them showed up. So we'll wait for the official uh, rookie roster to be handed out, and then rookie minicamp starts on Friday. Goes Friday, Saturday, and then also on Mother's Day on Sunday. So looking forward to getting those rookies in the building. Their heads are going to be spinning. It's I don't want to say it's fun to see them that way, but to kind of look around the building and go, yeah, there's the vets, the guys that were rookies last year. Look at them going, glad that's not us. We we know where everything is. These guys are coming in. Hey, where's the bathroom? Hey, where's the locker room? Hey, where's the cafeteria? So they got to go through all that, and they will do that after, of course, they pass physicals and become official members of the 90-man roster here for the Houston Texans. Appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much. It means a lot to me. Sorry I was under the weather. Didn't have my typical upbeat energy, but hopefully we gave you enough to chew on. Go to listen to our podcast in the lab. Drew Doherty and I drafted a defense full of all-stars, all-pros, Hall of Famers, 
from Texas Universities. We'll do our offense next week. But appreciate you guys being here. Big thanks to Mark. Big thanks to Drew. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And as always, go Texans.